He told the congregation that you should give 10% of your income to the church. He knew it would be hard, it would be challenging for some people. He began to speak about inner strength and how to become stronger, become a stronger person. I could relate to inner strength because school kids need inner strength to behave during class. <laughs> a, the preacher read, the preacher read from the gossip of Matthew about when Jesus walked on water. He and his disciples had come to a place where many people had come to hear Jesus, but no, they had no food to feed the thousands of people were there. So Jesus multiplied the fish in loaves and turned the salt water into fresh water. Then Jesus sent his disciples out onto the sea and told them he would meet them later. The wind and the waves were fighting against the boat. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on water, they were afraid. Peter said, If you are the Lord, then make me walk on water. Jesus said, Come. And Peter walked out of the boat and on the water to Jesus. What the sermon was saying is that if you if you want a change in your life, don't be afraid to make the first step. After the sermon, they had a prayer, and the preacher told the congregation what they should talk what they should pray about. There was one more confusing song, and then the service was over. <laughs> church on the Move was similar to a Unitarian church because there was a sermon music, a sanctuary, and a separate children's area. It was different because it was much, much bigger. Church on the Move was kind of fun. I liked the light show and how rock and roll it was. I liked the music and the Bible story, but I did not like how long the sermon was or standing up for so long. Or standing up for, the lo- the, up for so long while the songs were playing. It made me feel grateful to be at Hope Church. Hello, my name is Medina Vandiver. I'm 13 years old, and I'm a sixth grader at St. Peter and Paul Catholic School. When I went to Temple Israel, I learned that Judaism is not only a religion, it is an ethnic group. Like all religions, you can have extremists. But the ones that are most like us believe that there is a being. When they pray, they do not say he or she. They just say God. Not all Jews believe in God, though. They believe in making the world here on earth matter, so they don't worry much about the afterlife. They do believe that your soul goes to heaven after you die and your body stays on earth. The stories in the Torah, which, are the Jew, which is the Jewish Bible, are mostly, used for, are mostly used to explain how to live life the right way. In a Jewish ceremony called Shabbat, they sing, dance, and pray. Most of the Shabbat ceremony is in Hebrew. Starting in fourth grade, a Jewish child goes to Hebrew school, which is where they learn how to speak, how to read Hebrew, and how to chant the Torah. When they turn 13, 
they have an they have either a bat or bar mitzvah. Their bat or bar mitzvah, they chant the Torah for the first time in front of the congregation. On this day, they become more responsible and independent. A few years later, when they turn 16, they will be able to stand in front of the congregation and say that they really do want to be Jewish. All all temples or synagogues have ark inside them where they keep the Torah. To the Jews, the Torah is very important. The only person that can really touch the Torah is the person who writes the Torah. They even have clothes for the Torah. I would love to go back to the temple again. My name is Maya Clugston, and I am a 7th grader at Carver. When we visited the Holy Family Catholic Church, it seemed a lot different than our church. When we first got there, I didn't really know what to expect, but when we got there, I saw a lot of stained glass from the outside of the church. I also saw a lot of steeples on the outside of the church. You could also see crosses on the top of the steeples. When we first went in the church, stained glass was shining in a rainbow of colors. When you look at the front of the sanctuary, you saw a sculpture of the church itself. The kids were in most of the service. They started the service, led in prayers, and closed the service. When you looked at what the kids were wearing, most the majority of them were wearing a gold or silver necklace. When you looked around the church, you saw a lot of crosses. The service was about committing sins and breaking commandments. They also said during the service that if your hand commits a sin, to cut it off, or if your eye commits a sin, to get it removed, which I thought was really weird. It was more of a metaphor that if you are sinning, stop. At the end of the service, everyone went up to take communion. Most of their symbolism is communion. Their basic beliefs are that Jesus died so that they could go to heaven. It's the voice of peace in 
this sounds clear. Um, I'm Jenny Jameson. I am the chair of RE's youth department and um, I'm also parent to Drew and Nate. So I'm also known as their mom. Um, For as long as I can remember, I have felt like an odd duck when it came to spirituality. I never quite fit in as much as I tried to follow along. My mother was raised Catholic and hated every minute of it. Questioning everything and getting in trouble. Uh, When I asked my father what religion he was, his answer was pedestrian. (laughs) Yes, this caused much confusion in later years as I wondered why they had a special sign to cross the street. (laughs) It was kind of a Charlton Heston, people are Soylent Green kind of moment. What? That's not real. So... So I was free to roam the religious world as I pleased. I went to church with neighbors and school friends, summer camps, vacation Bible schools. I became keenly aware that around 13 years old that I had a lot of questions. Questions about heaven and hell. Why does God seem so angry? 
Why did Jesus have to die? What if I kind of felt like a Christian on the outside, but inside I'm not so sure? The saving thing scares me. Um, After the questions come the realization that I was only exploring different Christian churches. There was a whole lot out there to experience, and I needed to go on this journey. But where to start? Was this the safe thing to do? After all, I live in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Does Tulsa even have anything but a Christian church? Obviously, I found my way up the hill, and I'm so grateful that my children won't have to experience the apprehension that I did, not feeling spiritually safe, uh, struggling to find a place to ask questions and to be challenged. As a parent, I have always wanted them to be free to choose as I was. What good is it for me to tell them how to believe or to impress on them my beliefs if in their heart it just isn't a right fit? This traveling program that we do up here is important so that the experience of religions can help our kids at a young age start to find their right fit. Um, It is to give them opportunities to question, to learn, to see all the hidden treasures right there in their, right here in our community. This year, our approach was a little different. It's always very good to see differences between things, but when you focus on similarities, then bonds are made and prejudice is dropped and peace can be attained, both inside your soul as well as, well as with your neighbor. Um, much like the movie The Breakfast Club, I'm sure most people know what that is, At the end, the letter was written by Anthony Michael Hall's character describing themselves as the world sees them, a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, a criminal. The labels that come along with prejudices about a subject can be very damaging, and we all compartmentalize each other as well as ourselves, man or woman, gay or straight, black, white, in between, Democrat or Republican, Christian or not Christian, OSU or OU, (laughs) go Pokes. Um, So so that when uh, when you have your label, you're expected to behave within the constraints of what that category expects from you. When you're a kid, this does help you to discern bad from good, but on a spiritual journey, it separates us and can cause fear. By the end of the Breakfast Club movie, those kids realized how much they had in common with each other. The hope for the story is that they stay true to their newly discovered friendships and don't fall back into the high school mode of migrating back to their comfortable cliques. That's what we hope to achieve with the youth here at Hope, to go outside your comfort zone, to be challenged, and to get educated about your own religion, whatever that may be. I'm glad that our kids have strong opinions about religion. I have found that an opinion is great. You need to have one. It's your right, and it can change as you gain life experiences. But so often we see opinion turn to judgment, and feelings like hurt, sadness enter, and even bullying can become involved because you're different. I think that by becoming more educated about spirituality, Along with the freedom to ask questions, then the kids can find a way to turn judgment into acceptance and defensiveness into confidence. Ultimately, it is about loving one another. If we are to share this world, then however we decide to label ourselves, 
We should be proud to be that regardless of what is popular or cool. I will end with the words from William Ellery Channing, one of our favorites. He states, I call that mind free, which guards its intellectual rights and powers, which does not content itself with a passive or hereditary faith. It is not the creature of accidental impulse, does not cower to the human opinion, sets no bounds to its love, and delights in virtue and sympathizes with suffering. May our children always be of free mind. Hello, um, I'm Drew Mayer, also known as son of Jenny Jameson, and um, I'm a freshman at Union. And I'm going to talk about my experiences with growing up as a Unitarian. Um, well, I've been going to Hope since I was like six years old, I think. Um, many of you may remember, I was like really short and I looked like Harry Potter. But growing up as a Unitarian is definitely different than growing up in any other way. Most of my friends at school are Christians, and they respect my beliefs as I respect theirs. But they thought it was really cool how my parents kind of just let me believe in whatever I wanted to. Because their whole lives, they've been told stories and practiced certain things that I never did. And um, my mom told me to always keep an open mind and figure it out for myself. So I'd always take things into consideration and ponder on it for a little bit. And just hearing all these different things, it just makes me think none of them are really the one for me. So like going on these trips to other churches, you know, most churches don't let people go to other churches because they're afraid they'll leave them for the other. And um, <laughs> that's why I like Hope, because we're encouraged to go to churches and figure out what we really think. If anything, going to other churches just makes my beliefs even stronger, but that's just me, though. And um, there's been so many attempts to save me by countless people. <laughs> and um, as I'm still growing up and seeing how different everything is, it's funny, if I was raised differently, I could have like a completely different mindset and a completely different view on the world. And I get asked a lot about, you know, what, what do you think happens after we die? My response is always the same, but uh, we shouldn't have to worry about what happens after death. We need to live in the moment, but seeing that you want a set in stone answer, I guess nothing. And a lot of my friends tell me it would be really scary if nothing happens to you after you die because they thought it could only go one of two ways. So, um, so I'm glad to always see people are hopeful when it comes to that sort of thing. It also means a lot to me that my friends are looking out for me in that sort of way. But uh, to sum it all up, growing up as a Unitarian is just different. Not very many people like different, but there's always some that do. I like being different, and I also like the look on people's faces when I tell them my beliefs, especially after I tell them that I go to a church, too. <laughs> but all in all it's just you know different but a good kind of different good morning 
My name is Jackie Portman. I'm Director of Religious Education here at the church. People ask me why I like to do this job. You've just heard why I like to do this job. There is just nothing like this job. Well, I've been told by a few young people over there that I'm a little boring this morning, but oh well. Okay, here we go. In the spring of 1971, I remember going to Sunday school with my cousin to a rural Southern Baptist church in a small village in Ohio. The windowless room had cement block walls uh, painted a pale blue. The floor was white linoleum, and the table and chairs were cold metal. A chalkboard hung on one end of the room, and a huge cross, of course, adorned the other end. The lesson that day was about Noah, and the great flood. After the Sunday school teacher read the story from the King James Bible, she told us the moral of the story. Then she helped us to create paper rainbows inscribed with relevant scripture. Now, in my school science class that year, we had recently finished a unit on geology, which included the history of the earth. I had many questions for that Sunday school teacher, but I knew that I should not speak up. I was a guest, and I did not want to embarrass my cousin. So I made my rainbow and enjoyed the fellowship. Religious education, it matters. Let's take a brief history, look at the brief history of Unitarian Universalist religious education. It began in the late 18th century with John Murray, a Universalist minister. The Unitarians followed Murray's lead and established the Unitarian Sunday School Society, where members debated the meaning of appropriate religious instruction while producing curricula and catechisms. In the early 19th century, Unitarian minister William Ellery Channing delivered a new philosophy of religious education. The great end of religious instruction is not to stamp our minds on the young, but to stir up their own, to inspire a fervent love of truth, to touch inward springs, to awaken moral discernment so that they may discern and approve for themselves what is everlastingly right and good. Despite Channing's progressive ideas, Unitarian curricula, continued to be didactic and teacher-centered, which aligned with the education model of the times. At the beginning of the 20th century, three important publications influenced the development of liberal religious education. First, the Western Unitarian Conference published Beginnings According to Legend in 1890. This work, targeted for upper elementary children, was an anthology of creation myths from religions of the world. In 1896, John Dewey published School and Society, advocating for a child-centered classroom. Finally, in 1906, Albert Schweitzer presented The Quest for the Historical Jesus, which provided lay people access to the latest information on biblical criticism based on scientific research and literary analysis. Taking into consideration these works, the Unitarians produced child-centered curricula 
focused on Bible stories that inspired the development of moral character. By the 1930s, many were going dissatisfied with the religious education programs. So in 1936, the Unitarian objective of religious education became to develop an intelligent religious faith. In 1937, the Unitarians hired Sophia Lyon Foz as curriculum editor. Under the leadership of Foz, religious education in Unitarian churches radically changed. She is the mother of religious education. All religious educators must study the work of Foz. A student of John Dewey, Foz believed that a child's religion is derived from the daily experiences of the child as the child explores the natural world in which he or she lives. Foz wrote several books on the topic. Her beliefs can be summarized as religious education should be grounded in the firsthand experience of children, a worldview that holds that the universe is one and humanity its natural child, religion grows from natural human experience, historical and biblical study comes when children are old enough to discover the long ago and far away, and religious education begins at home. Based on these tenets, Foz created curricula for Unitarian churches. In fact, I have many of her books downstairs, and we have made good use of her curricula here at Hope. By the 1960s and 70s, the themes of UU religious education curricula changed to meet the needs of congregations living in a world of rapid social change. During this era, the goals of UU curricula were to help children appreciate cultural diversity, to develop interpersonal skills, and to develop intrapersonal skills. Perhaps the most important curriculum developed during this era was about your sexuality, a sexuality education program for youth. In 1980, new leadership once again took the lead to make changes to UU religious education curricula. In the 80s, UU curricula became more UU. It used a thematic approach and incorporated spiritual practices into each lesson. During this time, leadership encouraged congregations to develop programs around five themes, UU heritage, Judeo-Christian heritage, world religions, and social action. This approach was visualized as a spiral. As children and youth matured, they would return to UU values with new understandings and questions. Many curricula focused on social justice, racial justice, and peace. One of the most important ideas to come from this era is the idea that religious education is not just for children, but religious education is a lifelong process. We grow by studying and learning. UU leadership has promoted this idea across the country. Today, many directors of religious education are directors of lifespan religious education, programs which develop curricula for all ages of people represented in the congregations. In the last decade and a half, 
the most influential UUA program derived from a collaboration with the United Church of Christ to develop OWLs, Our Whole Lives, a much improved, comprehensive, contemporary edition of About Your Sexuality. This brings us to the 21st century. What should a religious education program look like in this era? Many are currently talking about this subject. I have some ideas. While I agree with the historical tenets of UU religious education, I recognize that the early models presented to us must change with the times. Today, adults and children live with technology. Information is at our fingertips 24-7, with words and images flashing before our eyes, exploding in our brains, faster than we can organize our thoughts. The way we process information has changed. Religious education must change to meet the needs of people who live in the 21st century. Perhaps even the term religious education class is an outdated concept. I will submit that religious growth does not occur in a church classroom with a teacher, a book, crayons, or computer. Nor does religious growth take place in a lecture hall where one person imparts knowledge for the audience to digest. I submit that religious growth is facilitated within a community. Maria Harris, a UU religious educator, says, the church is the curriculum. I agree. And I would also submit that you, the members of this church, are the curriculum. Religious education happens when we talk to one another, when we share ideas, asking questions, and searching for answers together. Religious education happens when we work alongside one another to take compassion and justice out into the world. Religious education happens when we show interest in each other's successes and failures. Religious education happens when we sing, laugh, and cry together. The religious education curriculum is a living entity. It is what binds us together. This quest for religious growth, this desire to share what we know with others, hoping to learn something about ourselves through the process of sharing. So, my vision for religious education at Hope Church is that we take it out of the classroom and the lecture hall and we begin to enjoy religious education in a multi-age setting which may or may not be in our church building. Intergenerational discourse is essential to the lifelong journey of religious growth. We have covenanted with each other to support religious education. Now, I submit to you that religious education at Hope Church comes from within all of our hearts and minds, and I encourage you to ask yourselves what you can do to ensure that religious education happens each and every time you engage one another.
I inspire you to help me provide opportunities within our congregation to support each other on our spiritual journeys. Thank you. Now for our offering. Um, our offering is going to the emergency infant s- service. Emergency infant service. Now we will look up and sing, we'll build a land. Oh, the response. We did not lay. We warm ourselves at fires we do not light. We sit in the shade trees we do not plant. We drink from wells we did not dig. We profit from persons we do not know. We are never bound in community. Okay, now we sing. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, now we will extinguish the chalice. We extinguish this flame for not the light of truth, the warmth of the community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. Leave with these parting words by Dr. Seuss. Today, you are you. This is truer than true. There is no one alive that is youer than you. And there's another one. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way.